0: Again, welcome. Thank you all for being here this morning. We um, seek to serve God as we have been instructed to do so in the New Testament. That is the, the purpose of and the, the mission of this church here in this community. And we thank you all for being here, especially our visitors. or thank you for coming our way. And as, as I mentioned, we hope that you find in us a group of faithful disciples of Jesus that are standing for the truth Standing for the faith here in this community. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for being patient in our service. Paul instructs the Corinthians that the things that they do in worship just need to be done orderly and in the right way. And, and we've done that today, even though we've had some, uh, uh, some delays. And I appreciate your patience very much. And it speaks to the idea that um, you know, the church is not about ceremony. It's about worshiping God and about being engaged, and uh, thinking about what you're doing, and not so much doing it as a matter of routine or out of rote, but out of doing it with a sincere heart. And so thank you all for that, and hope that that's what you find here amongst us. I want to speak this morning about uh, someone that we find in the Bible, and that is the Apostle Paul. Paul is an interesting fellow to talk about. Uh, As I have there in 1 Corinthians 15.8, he described himself as one untimely born. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few moments. But we read quite a bit about Paul. He was uh, obviously an apostle, but uh, chosen later on uh, as an apostle and and a special uh, mission that he had. But we we know a lot about Paul because he's very prolific in his writings. And so... And, and the book of Acts follows his missionary journeys, those three missionary journeys that we see in the book of Acts that Luke records for us. So we know a lot about Paul. And there's a lot that we can learn from him. And so this morning I just wanted to, to to look at a few things briefly about his life and, and just help us to see in, in a man someone that we can imitate. And again, we'll talk about that at the conclusion of our time together. So let's talk about... Paul. Let's, let's first understand uh, about his mission and first, first and foremost the idea that Paul was one who went about preaching the gospel. Uh, he began preaching immediately after his conversion. Um, there in Acts chapter 9 as, as Paul is on the road to Damascus and he's going to Damascus to bind Christians, to, to, imprison, to bring them back to Jerusalem in prison and chains. That was his mission to, do, to, to go. He was a Jew. He was very zealous in his faith. And he, rec- and he thought that these of the Christian sect, as they were called, were, were enemies of the Jewish faith. And so he was very zealous about going out and, and putting them in prison. And so as he's on the road to Damascus, we know, of course, that the Lord appears to him and ask him, why are you persecuting me? And so we have the conversion of Paul that takes place there in chapter 9, but in verse 17 we read, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. He had been struck blind, remember? Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. Now, just a quick little thing here about that. Notice about that word there, baptized. It's an important word. Every conversion we see in the book of Acts mentions the fact that they were baptized. You see when, there in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stands up and, and gives that first sermon and tells about to the Jews he said, you have put this man to death, speaking of Jesus Christ, you have put him to death. And remember what they said? What shall we do? And then verse 38, remember what he says? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when they were convicted of their sin and realized that they needed to change, Peter said, You've got to be baptized to be saved. It goes for all those there on the day of Pentecost, it goes for the Apostle Paul, it goes for those of the house of Cornelius. Goes For the Ethiopian eunuch, all the conversions we read about in the book of Acts talk about being baptized for their mission of sins. Verse 19, he took food and was strengthened. Now, for several days, he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Now, that's a, a very strong statement for a Jew. To say that someone, some man, is indeed the Son of God. Because, you see, that was what Jesus was put on trial for, one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons he was indeed hung on a cross. They consider that blasphemy. But when Paul recognized who Jesus Christ was and immediately he went out to proclaim him, he proclaimed him as the Son of God, as he rightly should. Paul withstood a lot of adversity in his ministry. But he continued preaching uh, throughout these troubling times. And we have that wonderful account there in in 2 Corinthians 11 about all these things that he had suffered, labors, imprisonment, beaten, uh, 39 lashes from the Jews. Uh, He was stoned, shipwrecked, uh, journeys, danger of rivers, dangers of robbers, uh, all these things that he was in danger from externally, environmentally, at the hands of other men. But look what he says down there in verse 28. Apart from such external things, there are the da- there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. So you see these apostles had special charge to go about pre- preaching and teaching the gospel and setting up these churches. And Paul took that to heart. And he was concerned about all the churches that uh, he had helped to set up and those he knew about, he was concerned about them. So in all of the physical things that were going on, he had the spiritual emotional uh, difficulties that he was dealing with as well. But he continued preaching throughout it. He continued to be steadfast. And he remained faithful even through all of this. And Second Corinthians 12 and verse 10 says there, therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This, of course, is at the end of what Brad read for us a minute ago about him being given this thorn in the flesh. And he prayed three times that it would be removed from him. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And so Paul took that to heart. He says, therefore, I am well content when I am weak, then I am strong. So even though he suffered all these things, he was content helps us in our life, doesn't it? We have things that beset us, physical infirmities, emotional things, losses of loved ones, all the things in this world that are hard to deal with. Let's take the cue from Paul and say, when I am weak, then I am strong, and cling more tightly and fervently to our faith, knowing that in the end, that's all we have. We have our faith in God that will carry us through this life and into the next. Paul recognized that. Another thing that I like about Paul and and that comes out so much is his humility. That even though he had this special charge, even though the Lord appeared to him, he remained humble. He recognized his place in the kingdom. That he was a servant, just like everyone else in the kingdom is. And in all that, when he was speaking and writing, he would be the first one to give glory to God and to first give glory to God. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 8, he says, And last of all, as to one untimely born, this is in, the, in 1 Corinthians 15 there, he's recounting uh, the appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. to James and the apostles and, uh, and to Peter. And then he says, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he's speaking of himself, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. As we mentioned there, as he's going to Damascus, he's going there to persecute Christians. But the Lord had something else for him in mind. Verse 10 But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. And Paul makes that statement and makes other statements about preaching Christ and him crucified, that that was his mission And the, as he's going about preaching the gospel. He remains humble in all this and gives God the glory as to one untimely born, the grace of God, I am what I am. He recognized that it was through the grace of God that he was able to do what he, what it was that he was doing, and he realized that he he was not worthy of the opportunities that were that were put before him. In Ephesians three, he says, beginning of verse eight, he says, "To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ." See, Paul didn't see it as a burden or as a as a job, we might say. He saw it as a wonderful opportunity. I thank you that I've been, I thank God that I've been given this opportunity to teach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light that which is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You see, Paul got his role. He understood what he was doing. This is not something, some small thing. This is not some beginning of a tiny sect or a tiny denomination. This is the Lord's church. This is the plan that the Lord had, that God had from the beginning of time. How he was going to redeem man back to himself through this man, Jesus Christ, and through the establishment of the church in this world. And a church, the kingdom that would last forever. Paul considered himself lucky and was humbled by it for this opportunity to preach and to teach and to make known this ultimate plan of God, which was, which was till then a mystery. And as it unfolds in the first century. And God used him to demonstrate his mercy. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, Beginning verse 12, I thank Christ our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Again, Paul recognizing, I was shown mercy. Remember who Paul was. He was the one that was standing there as they put their coats down at his feet when they stoned Stephen to death in chapter 7 of, of Acts. He was there. Hearty agreement but god showed him mercy. down verse 16 yet for this reason i found mercy so that in me as the foremost jesus christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. if <sighs> the power of the gospel can turn around a man like paul surely it can turn around us. turn us around. surely it can have that same effect on people in this world today. And it does. There's a power of God into salvation as Paul says in in Romans 1, verse 16 and 17. It has that power to change men's lives. And he was uh, humbled by the mercy that God showed him. You can also see about Paul is that he remained faithful until the end. At the end of his life, He was looking on to the next life. I like this about Paul, and it's it's demonstrated here in 2 Timothy 4. I am already being poured out as a drink offering, verse 6, and the time of my departure has come. He's writing to the young evangelist Timothy and giving him instructions, and he's recognizing that his time on, on this earth is drawing to a close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but all those who have loved his appearing. Brethren, visitors, I challenge you to have this kind of attitude. The very fact that as you're coming to the end of your life, you can look and, and reflect on what it is that you have done, can you say, I have fought the good fight? I have finished the course, and now the Lord himself is, is ready to crown me when I get to see him on the day of judgment. That's a good attitude to have. That's an attitude of hard work, of faith, of humility, and one of uh, a perspective on what lies ahead those who are righteous, those who have loved his appearing. That ought to be our attitude. Let's work on that. Let's work towards that, of having that kind of attitude that I might lose my life tomorrow, but I fought in the good fight. And the Lord is ready to crown me when I come to stand in his presence. Paul leaves behind a, a pretty Substantial and important legacy. He established many churches. His work in, in teaching and preaching the gospel helped to establish churches and bringing brethren together who were of like precious faith. And he encouraged countless brethren through his writings, through his teaching and preaching. And think how many <laughs> we're still reading about Paul today, we're still reading his letters. Think about how many brethren he has encouraged these 2,000 something years. He wrote impassioned letters. He wrote uh, prolifically. 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament are attributed to Paul. And those letters are impassioned. Praise when, when praise is due, and admonishment, correction when that was proper. Didn't hold back. Read the letter to the Galatians again. He was amazed that they were so quickly turning to another gospel. Amazed. Who has bewitched you, O Galatians? Praise when praise was due and correction, admonishment when that was due as well. He withstood adversity. All those things that he listed there about all his troubles in the world and especially those, as he mentions there at the end, the daily concern I have for all the churches. Had to be wearying to his body, but yet he kept on. And he labored in humility, giving proper credit where credit was due. And in all that, we see a man that remained faithful. You know, we don't read about Paul's faith wavering. Call it what it is, timing or whatever. Now, of course, (laughs) up to the point where he is converted, you might make the argument. He's persecuting Christians, but he's doing it out of zeal. He's doing it out of an an affinity and a a sense of duty to the law of Moses, which he was was under until he was converted. But once he's converted, we don't read about Paul's faith wavering. We see a man that remained faithful in his life. And as such, he lived a life of example. We do well to look to Paul as an example. And he will be the first one to tell you, as he wrote here in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, be imitators of me. But he didn't stop there. He says, just as I also am of Christ. And in that little statement there, he shows the humility and the man that he was. Yes, imitate me, but do that because I'm trying to imitate Christ. Let it be a pass-through. You can see on earth a man trying to be like Christ. You can imitate that, but understand that I'm trying to imitate Christ. So we can look to him for that example and look to him as uh, a man that we can pattern our life after. A man of zeal, a man of character, a man of dedicated hard work, a man who recognized his place in the kingdom. And humility, and recognize who gave him such an opportunity. We do well to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. So I'll leave that to you this morning. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ," Paul said. We're always looking for those examples. We're always looking for how we might pattern our lives. I'll present this to you as a way to do that. Look to the Apostle Paul. We have all those things in our life that beset us. I don't think we go through shipwrecks and, and beatings and some of those things that, that Paul had to withstand, but we have our own trials and troubles in this life. Let's face them like Paul did and just understand that this, we're just passing through this life. And there's so much more waiting for us when this life is over. If we remain faithful to God throughout, as Paul did. Our song of encouragement is number 283. There's a great day coming. There is indeed a day coming. A day when we will stand before our God and and give an account for the things that we have done, whether good or bad. Will you be ready on that day? If you're not a child of God, I would encourage you to become one, to understand what it means to be a child of God, and understand what it means to, to, to know the gospel and to believe in it, and to confess that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. And once you realize that, you're a candidate for baptism, where you go down into the waters of baptism, washing away your sins, not the removal of the dirt from the flesh, as Peter makes the point in 1 Peter 3 and verse 20 upon, 21 but an appeal to God for a good conscience. You see, it's not simply being dunked underwater. That won't do you any good. It's an appeal to God for a good conscience. It's surrendering in baptism, realizing that that's how I come in contact with the blood of Christ, and how I am buried, the old man of sin. And to come up out of the water as a new creature, to walk in newness of life. If as a child of God you're stumbling, you're not being faithful, falling down, make the necessary changes that you need in your own life. If you need the prayers of the congregation, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.